Hello, I am Matthew Hurst, the worship minister of First Baptist Church, Watauga, and we want to simply say thank you for listening to these messages. We'd like to invite you on Sunday morning at 1045 to join us in worship of God and to hear from His Word. Our mission here at FBC Watauga is to exalt the Savior equip the saints, and to evangelize the lost one person at a time. So I pray as you listen to these messages that you would be encouraged and equipped as you listen to the word of the Lord today. Well, if you're new with us today, whether you're in person or whether you're online, my name is Kevin Skinner. I'm the associate pastor here at First Baptist Watauga. Our pastor, Dennis... He is currently working on his dissertation. He's taken the last week off to work on his dissertation. So just continue to be in prayer for him as he uh, desires to finish strong. Uh, Continue to be in prayer for him. Uh, He's going to continue to spend the next couple of days working on his dissertation. So just remember him. Now, I don't know about you, but I will be glad when 2020 is over with. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I will be glad when 2020 is over with. Now, in saying that, I don't want to overlook the many great things that God has done here at First Baptist Watauga because God really has taken care of us. He has been so faithful to us throughout the year here at First Baptist Watauga, even in the midst of this pandemic, even in the midst of us doing things differently with these two morning worship services and with our two growth group hours, we've continued to see people visiting First Baptist Watauga. We've had several people joining the family here at First Baptist Watauga. And so we're thankful to see how God continues to move. Also, one of the things about 2020 is this has been one of the best years for us financially here at First Baptist Watauga. In my 10 years here on staff, we have only hit budget at the end of the year one time. One time, meaning that that the budget that we voted on the previous year, we were able to bring all of that money in and hit budget at the end of that year. That's only happened once. But here in 2020, we are on track to hit budget once again at the end of this year. And I think that's something to celebrate. Now, as we celebrate that, remember, the year's not over yet, so don't stop giving, right? We want to be able to celebrate again at the end of the year that we have hit budget for the second time since I have been here on staff. So we're extremely thankful this year for how the Lord has taken care of us, for for his faithfulness and his goodness to us here at First Baptist Watauga, but we know that 2020 has been a difficult year for so many people. We know that many people have lost loved ones. We know that many people have lost their jobs. They've lost their income due to the pandemic. We remember that in the spring, schools were closed and, and, and senior year was kind of ripped away from our, our graduates. And then we had our camps and our mission trips canceled because of this pandemic. Then, of course, we know there, there has been just so much unrest in the streets with the rioting, with the looting, with the protesting. And then we've seen the images of businesses boarded up for their protection. And then, of course, we've had this election, the election that was long and drawn out leading up to Election Day, and it seems like it's long and drawn out following Election Day, right? We're still waiting to see what's going to happen in the days ahead. 
And then also our nation has experienced many natural disasters. We've seen hurricane after hurricane, and then we've seen the wildfires. And then there was also something about murder hornets. I don't know what happened to the murder hornets. I think we might've forgotten the murder hornets, but, but there was something about murder hornets, all right? To put it mildly, 2020 has been a year, all right? It's been a year. So in the midst of this year where life seems chaotic, we're in this series titled Life in Jesus' Name. And as we're going through this series, we're walking through the book of John. And as we look at our passage in the book of John today, I believe that our passage is gonna speak directly to us in a year just like 2020. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 15 through 21. John chapter 6, 15 through 21. Now as you're turning there, there's a couple of things that I want to say about our passage. First, this is a familiar story to us. This is a story of Jesus walking on water. And of course, we're going to look at this in in John's account, in the Gospel of John, but it's important to note that both Matthew's Gospel and Mark's Gospel also record this event of Jesus walking on water. And so as we look at this passage today, we're gonna pull a little bit from Matthew and Mark, but we're gonna primarily stay with our text here in the book of John. Second, this story of Jesus walking on water is Jesus's fifth sign. It is his fifth miracle as the Messiah. If you remember, the first sign was Jesus turning water into wine. The second sign was Jesus healing the official son. The third sign was Jesus making the lame to walk. And the fourth sign was the miracle that we looked at last week, Jesus feeding that crowd of 5,000. I also want to mention that uh, verse 15, while verse 15 is likely included in your Bibles, it's likely included with the previous section, with with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. As you look at both Matthew's account of this story and and Mark's account of this story, these words here that we read in, in, in verse 15 are included in the story of Jesus walking on water in the other two gospels. So I think it's important for us to read verse 15 to include this in our text this morning. So let's read this fifth sign of Jesus walking on water in John chapter six, verses 15 through 21. It says, therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. A high wind arose and the sea began to churn. After they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat and they were afraid, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. All right, so as we walk through this passage today, there are five things that I want you to walk away with with this morning. Five things I want you to walk away with. The first thing I want you to walk away with today is that Jesus withdrew. Jesus withdrew. What did verse 15 tell us again? It says, therefore, when Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. 
I want you to hear that. Jesus withdrew to be by himself. But Jesus didn't simply withdraw for the sake of being alone. He didn't withdraw to be alone simply for the sake of being alone. Jesus withdrew with a purpose. Jesus withdrew with a purpose. John's account doesn't tell us this, but Matthew's account and Mark's account both tell us that the reason why Jesus withdrew was so that he could get alone to pray, so that he could get alone to spend time talking with the Father, so that he could spend time alone with his Father. Jesus withdrew with a purpose. Let me tell you, one of the best things that we can do in this life is to withdraw with a purpose. One of the best things we can do in this life is to withdraw with a purpose, to, to, to get away from the distractions, to get away from the world, to simply get alone, to spend time with the Father in his word and in prayer. Every morning, if the alarm hasn't already gone off, which, uh, or excuse me, every morning if I wake up before the alarm has gone off, which that happens many times, if I don't wake up before it goes off, then the alarm goes off at 5.30 in the morning and I get up from bed and I go to my usual spot on the couch and I just spend some time alone before the kids wake up and start stirring, but before we have to get into our routines of getting ready for school or getting ready for work, I just spend that time alone reading his word and spending some time in prayer. And can I just tell you, if there has ever been a year that we have needed to get alone with the Father, if there has ever been a year that we have needed to get alone, to spend time studying his word, to spend time being immersed in his word, to spend time being filled with his spirit, to spend time simply having a conversation with God, simply praying. If there's ever been a year, this is the year. 2020 is that year. And what I have seen time and time again is, as I just spend time alone with God, as I spend time studying his word, what I have seen time and time again is that God's word is just as powerful, powerful for us today. It's just as impactful for us today as it ever has been. So let me pause right here and ask a couple of questions just to make it personal. First, are you taking the time to withdraw with a purpose? Are you taking the time to withdraw with a purpose? Are you taking that time to get alone, to spend time with the Father, to spend time studying his word? It doesn't have to be in the morning, but are you withdrawing to get alone, to spend time in prayer with the Father? And if you're not, let me just encourage you, begin. If you're not doing, doing it yet, begin. Second, do you pray as often as you post? Do you pray as often as you post? We live in a world with social media where it is so easy to take all of our fears, all of our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our cares, we can take all of that to everybody with just a tap of the finger. But I think all too often, even though I think social media is a great tool, I use social media often. If you follow me on social media, you know that I post on a frequent basis, right? But I think it's, it's very tempting, it's very easy to get into the habit of taking all of our fears and all of our worries and all of our concerns. It's very easy to, to get into the habit of taking that to everyone else and forget to take it to the Lord. So are you praying as often as you post? 
Because although I think it's okay to post, it's important to remember that we need to be in the habit of withdrawing to take our cares, to take our fears, to take our anxieties to the Lord so that God has the opportunity to hear our prayers and to respond. So here's the other side of Jesus withdrawing. Before Jesus withdrew, he first sent his disciples on this journey across the Sea of Galilee. That's what Matthew's account and Mark's account tell us. John's account doesn't tell us this, but but what Matthew and Mark tell us is that the reason that the disciples went down, that we see in verse 16, that the disciples went down to the sea and got into the boat, the reason that they're doing this is because Jesus had commanded them to. Jesus told them to do it. In fact, the way that it's worded is that Jesus made them to do it. So Jesus gave this command to the disciples to get into the boat, to go across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. And so the disciples are just walking in obedience. But, but even though they are obeying the Lord's command to go across the sea, it would seem that they are taking this journey without him. After all, he sent them on their way and then he withdrew from them. Can I tell you, there, there are times in this life as you are walking in obedience to the Lord, there are times that as you're walking, you may feel like you are walking in obedience alone. You may feel like the Lord has sent you on your way. You may feel like he has given you a command and you're walking in obedience and you may feel like you are doing it without him. But what was Jesus doing when he withdrew? What did we just see that he was doing when he withdrew? He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't distracted. He was praying. He was praying. So let me tell you, even if you feel like the Lord has sent you on your way and you're walking in obedience to him and you feel like you are doing it all alone, you feel like the Lord has withdrawn, understand the Lord is not sleeping And the Lord is not distracted. In fact, Romans 8.34 tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. And, and, And do you know what it tells us he's doing? Interceding. He's praying. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father right now praying. Now that's kind of hard for us to understand, but understand prayer is just a conversation with God. So so Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father and he's having a conversation with God. He's having a conversation with the Father about you and about me. So even if it seems that Jesus has withdrawn Understand, you don't have to be discouraged because Jesus is still at work. Jesus is still active. So Jesus withdrew, but hear me, that's not the end of the story. The second thing I want you to walk away with today is that the darkness set in. The darkness set in. What does verse 17 say again? It says, darkness had already set in, but Jesus had not yet come to them. Now, the other two gospels word it to say that this was well into the night. And that's accurate to say that this was well into the night. But, but I like the way that John words it here to say that the darkness has set in because there are different feelings and thoughts that come with 
It's well into the night and darkness has set in. I can remember when I was really young, my parents had put me to bed and for whatever reason, my nightlight didn't get turned on. And so I woke up well into the night, but I didn't just wake up well into the night, I woke up to the darkness. And so as I was in the darkness, I I panicked and I cried out, Mom, Dad! And they came running to the room and they turned my nightlight on. And so there's something about darkness that's just scary to us. There's something about darkness that's scary to us. Even as adults, if we're honest, there's just something about darkness that's scary to us. Now, maybe we're not afraid of dark rooms or we're not afraid of dark nights, but as we look out at our culture, as we look out at our world and we see the darkness setting into our culture, we see the darkness setting into our country, we see the darkness setting into our world, especially as we see the acceptance of sin and not just the acceptance of sin, but we see the promotion of sin. We see the promotion of evil. We see the promotion of wickedness. The darkness can can seem so frightening. So here the disciples are. They're walking in obedience to the Lord. They're just obeying his command and the darkness has set in. Understand, even when we are walking in obedience, sometimes the Lord allows the darkness to set in. Even when we're walking in obedience, sometimes the Lord allows the darkness to set in. Why? That's the question, right? Why does the darkness have to set in? Why does it have to get so dark? So let me give you a couple of reasons. First, darkness reminds us of our need for the light. Darkness reminds us of our need for the light. So when I was in high school, our power went out in our house And it was so dark outside because it was the middle of the night. It was so dark outside that there was no light shining in through the windows. And so I was awakened in the middle of the night in the middle of this power outage. And it was so dark in my room that I couldn't even see my own hand in front of my face. Now, I did not realize that the power had gone out. So in the darkness where I couldn't even see my own hand in front of my face... I quite dramatically believed that I had gone blind. And so I got out of bed and I stumbled to the bottom of the stairwell because my parents' bedroom was at the top of the stairwell. And I called out to my parents and I said, Mom, Dad, I can't see anything. And so my mom said, well, turn on the light in the stairwell. Well, there's something you should know about our stairwell. We had two lights in the stairwell. The first was the one controlled by the light switch, and the other one was a lantern that sat in the stairwell for such a time as this. So when my mom said, turn on the light in the stairwell, she's referring to the lantern at the bottom of the stairs, but I don't realize the power has gone out. So I reach up to that light switch, and I just start flipping it on and off. And of course, I began to panic even more because I still can't see anything. And so I say once again, I'm flipping the light switch and I still can't see anything. And so my mom says, don't flip the light switch, turn on the lantern. So I reached around, I felt for the lantern, I found it, and I I found the knob on it and I turned that knob and I saw the most beautiful thing in the world, 
I saw the light. Darkness reminds us of our need for light. And so as you look at, it, at your own life and as you look at, at our world and as you see the darkness setting into our world and, and the darkness setting into our culture, don't let it be a discouragement to you. Let it be a reminder of our world's great need for the light. And if you have already given your life to Christ, if you have already received Christ into your life, then allow the darkness to cause you to rejoice in the beauty of Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So darkness reminds us of our need for the light. Second, darkness reminds us of our need to shine. Darkness reminds us of our need to shine. Turn with me to Philippians chapter two real quick. Philippians chapter two. We're gonna look at verses 13 through 16. Philippians 2, 13 through 16. Darkness reminds us of our need to shine. It says, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Darkness reminds us of our need to shine. And not only does it remind us of our need to shine, darkness provides the backdrop for us to shine. So if you were to walk out into your front yard and in the middle of the night here in Fort Worth, you'd look up and you would likely see some stars, but chances are many of the stars are gonna be drowned out by the city lights. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's the middle of the night and you look up at the stars, you're gonna see many more stars because in the middle of nowhere, it is much darker. And not only are you gonna see more stars, but even the stars that you have already seen in the city, they're gonna appear to be even brighter than they were in the city because darkness provides that backdrop for us to shine. Listen, as we look out at the world around us and, and we see the, the darkness of this crooked and perverted generation that we live in, sometimes it doesn't just feel dark, sometimes it feels middle of nowhere dark. But Paul says here in Philippians chapter two that it's right in the middle of the darkness that we have the opportunity to shine. He also gives us another little nugget of truth here that, that even in the midst of the darkness, it is God who is working in us both to will and to work according to his good purpose. We may not like what's going on, we may not want what's going on, but even in the midst of darkness, God is still at work within us. So we have a choice today, church. In the midst of darkness, you can grumble and you can argue, or you can shine like stars, and if I could, let me suggest, let's shine. So darkness reminds us of our need for light, but it also reminds us of our need to shine. So we see Jesus withdrew, 
And we see the darkness set in, but hear me, church, that's not the end of the story. The third thing I want you to walk away with today is that the wind arose. The wind arose. What did verse 18 say again? A high wind arose and the sea began to churn. So you've probably heard that phrase to add insult to injury. This phrase actually comes from one of Aesop's fables titled The Bald Man and the Fly. No offense to any bald people out there, right? But it's this fable, the bald man and the fly. So a fly lands on this bald man's head and it bites him. And so he reaches up to swat that fly and he misses and he hits himself on the head. And so the fly says to him, what will you do to yourself, you who have added insult to injury? And so over time, that phrase kind of morphed into to add insult to injury, meaning that things have only gotten worse. So here the disciples are, they're out in this boat that Jesus had commanded them to go on. They're, they're traveling across the Sea of Galilee, which is a little more than a six mile journey for them. Jesus withdrew from them, the darkness set in, and to add insult to injury, the winds began to rose, the, the winds began to blow, and the waters began to churn. Doesn't life just feel that way sometimes? It's already dark, and then the winds begin to blow. And many times, many times the storms of this life can feel so confusing and feel so disorienting. So I've shared this illustration before, but it's been a couple of years, and quite honestly, this is one of my favorite stories to tell, so I'm gonna share it again. Back when I was 17 years old, my family and I, we went to NRH2O. Now, we didn't live up here. We have family that lived up here. In fact, my aunt is with us today. We were visiting her. And so we went to NRH2O, the water park. And while we were at this water park, my mom decided to ride a water slide. Now, here's the deal with my mom and water slides. She does not do well with them. Not because she's scared of them, but because when she is riding the water slide, she becomes completely disoriented. And so she rides this water slide and she shot out of the end of the water slide and she was so disoriented when she shot out into that pool of water that she didn't know which way was up and which way was down. And so she's trying to swim out of the water by swimming down deeper. And of course, she's not reaching the top, and so she begins to panic. The lifeguard sees what's happening, and he tries to pull her out, but she thinks down is up and up is down. And so she thinks he's trying to hold her under. And so she's trying to fight off the lifeguard as he's trying to pull her out of the water. Thankfully, my dad saw what was happening. He just reached in, grabbed her, and just yanked her out of the water. Many times... Many times when we face the storms of this life, when, when the darkness has set in, when the winds begin to blow and the waves begin to churn, many times life can feel so confusing. We don't know which way is up and which way is down. We don't even know what to believe anymore. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Maybe today you would say that the darkness has set in. You would say that the wind in your life is blowing and that the waves are churning and you don't know which way is up and which way is down. You just feel confused and disoriented. 
If that's you today, let me encourage you, keep your focus on Jesus because even when everything around you is raging, Jesus is still interceding. Even when everything around you is raging, Jesus is still interceding. So we see Jesus withdrew. We see the darkness set in. We see the winds arose. But hear me, church, that's not the end of the story. The fourth thing I want you to walk away with today is that the disciples rode. The disciples rode. What does verse 19 say again? It says, after they had rode about three or four miles... So what do you do when you find yourself in the middle of darkness and the winds begin to blow and the the waves begin to churn? What do you do? To be honest, the temptation is probably to quit, to give up, to throw in the towel or to throw in the oars, to just stop rowing. As we look at the disciples, the disciples here are rowing against the wind The wind isn't just blowing, but the wind is blowing against them. It seems that their efforts are in vain. And yet here they are in the middle of this storm, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the darkness and the winds are blowing and the waves are churning. Here they are and they are rowing. They're simply just trying to obey Jesus's command to go to the other side Church family, when it seems like the darkness has set in, when it seems like the winds of life are blowing and the waves around us are churning, just keep rowing. Keep walking in obedience to what you know God has already called you to do. As we look at this year, 2020, what it's already dealt to us, we have no idea what the future is gonna hold. We don't know what's gonna happen next. We don't know when everything is said and done, what this presidential election is gonna look like. We don't know when this pandemic will end. We, we can't predict if there's gonna be another natural disaster on the horizon. But here's what I know. When Jesus rose from the grave and before he ascended to heaven, he gave a command to the disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We may not know how long the storms of life will last, but we know what God has called us to. And church family here at First Baptist Watauga, we are going to be a people of obedience. Here at First Baptist Watauga, we're gonna continue to exalt the Lord. We're gonna continue to worship him day in and day out. We're gonna continue to equip believers. We're gonna continue to, to teach his word and to train you how to live out his word in your life each and every day. And we're gonna continue to evangelize the lost. We are gonna share Jesus with every person we encounter, with every opportunity that we're given we're gonna continue to walk in obedience to the Lord. So what do you do when you find yourself in the midst of darkness with the wind blowing and the waves churning? Just keep rowing. So we see Jesus withdrew. We see the darkness set in. We see the wind arose and we see the disciples rowed. But that's not the end of the story. The final thing that I want you to walk away with today is that Jesus showed up. 
Jesus showed up. What what do verses 19 through 21 say again? It says, after they had rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. He was coming near the boat and they were afraid, but he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board and at once the boat was at the shore where they were heading. Jesus showed up. So there are a couple of things that I wanna point out that happened when Jesus showed up. First, when Jesus showed up, he spoke peace to their hearts. He spoke peace to their hearts. So the picture that we have here is that the disciples are weak from rowing, they're probably tired because it's well into the night, and they're afraid because of the storm that they're in. And then they see Jesus walking out towards them. John's account doesn't tell us this, but we know from both Matthew and Mark that when they saw Jesus walking out towards them, they thought he was a ghost. And so they were only more afraid. But then Jesus said, it is I, don't be afraid. And when the disciples heard his voice, they were no longer afraid because they knew that they had heard the voice of Jesus. So let me pause here and ask this. Where do you need Jesus to speak peace into your life today? Where do you need Jesus to speak peace into your life today? Maybe it's a family struggle. Maybe it's a job struggle. Maybe it's just all of the chaos of 2020 and all of the fears and anxieties that come from 2020. Wherever that is, whatever has come to your mind, would you experience the presence of Jesus with you right now? And would you simply hear him say in the midst of that storm, it is I, don't be afraid. So when Jesus showed up, he spoke peace to their hearts. Second, when Jesus showed up, he brought peace to their struggle. He brought peace to their struggle. As Jesus walks out on the water, the wind is still blowing and the disciples are still rowing. But when they recognize Jesus' voice, they invite him into the boat. And when Jesus got into the boat, their struggle was over. The wind stopped blowing and they could finally stop rowing because they were immediately at the shore that they had been rowing to. When Jesus showed up, he brought peace to their struggle. So let me pause and give this reminder to you today. Regardless of the struggle that you are facing, Jesus can bring peace to your struggle. Regardless of the struggle that you're facing, Jesus can bring peace to your struggle. It may seem like the struggle is lasting a long time. It may feel tiresome. It may feel draining. And you may even be experiencing some fear. But regardless of the struggle that you are facing, Jesus can bring peace to your struggle. And when it comes to Jesus, your struggle can be over in an instant. And here is the great news. Here is the promise that we have as believers that regardless of how dark the darkness seems, regardless of how big the winds and the waves of this life might be, and regardless of how long our struggle might last, we have a promise that one day Jesus is going to show up. Revelations 1-7 tells us, look, for he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. I don't know the day or the hour that he's gonna return, 
But in the midst of every storm, I cling to this promise that regardless of how strong the storm might be, Jesus is going to show up. And at that time, he will bring peace to every storm and every struggle. You see, the story that we read in this passage, it didn't end with the struggle. The struggle of the disciples was not the end of the story. When we get to the end of the story, we see Jesus show up and he brings peace to the struggle. There is peace and victory when Jesus shows up. And that is our hope, that regardless of the struggles, regardless of the storms, regardless of the ways of this life, one day Jesus is gonna show up and he's gonna bring peace to every struggle. So Jesus withdrew, the darkness set in, the winds arose, the disciples rode, but when we get to the end of the story, Jesus showed up. And when Jesus showed up, he brought peace. So I'm gonna invite Matthew back up here this morning and we're gonna have a time of response. And this is still not a formal time for you to come forward. So let me give you some ways for you to respond this morning right where you're at. Maybe you're here today and, and you would find yourself engulfed in fears, engulfed in trials, engulfed in a storm. In this moment today, as we sing this song, would you just confess that to the Lord right where you're at and would you allow him to bring peace into your hearts and peace to your struggle? Maybe you're here today and you would say that you have never given your life to the Lord or maybe you're joining us online today and you have never given your life to the Lord. And as you look at the struggles and the storms of this life, you say, I want Jesus on board with me. I would remind you of what it says in verse 21. It says, the disciples were willing to take Jesus on board. Today, are you willing to take Jesus on board of your life? Are you willing to allow him into your life and to give you not just peace for the moment, but peace for all eternity? If that's you, if you're ready to, to make Jesus the Lord of your life, then I would encourage you right where you're at, whether you're here in this place, whether you're at home right now, you can make this simple confession, Jesus is Lord. And if that confession, if the confession of your mouth lines up with the truth in your heart that Jesus is now your Lord, then the beauty is, is that now you have received eternal peace in Jesus Christ. You have received salvation. And if that's you today, then I would love to hear about it. After the service, I'll be out in the hallway. You can grab me, talk to me about this. Let's, let's pray, let's talk about some next steps now that you've given your life to the Lord. If you're joining us online, I would encourage you, let us know, go to fbcwatauga.org slash prayer. Let us know that you've made a decision to give Jesus, uh, to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you're here today. And you would say you've been visiting First Baptist Watauga, whether you've been visiting in person, whether you've been visiting online, you've been visiting First Baptist Watauga and you wanna make this your church home. You wanna come alongside of us and encourage us and allow us to come alongside of you and encourage you. We would love for that to happen. 
If that's you, then, then let us know. You can grab me after the service if you're here in person so that we can set up a time for you to come by the church office so that we can meet with you, so that we can talk about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Wataga. If you're online, you can go to fbcwataga.org slash prayer. Just let us know you'd like to join the church and we'll, we'll set up an appointment with you to meet with you as well. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do during this time, as we sing this song, simply respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now and let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this story that we read, this, this true account of you walking out to the disciples on the water in the midst of this storm. But Lord, thank you that we don't just read about you walking out into the water, Lord. We read about you withdrawing to pray. We read about the darkness setting in. We read about the winds and the waves and we read about the disciples rowing. I pray, Lord, that regardless of the struggles that we might face, Lord, that we would be willing to continue to walk in obedience to you. And Lord, I pray that whatever struggle we might face, that you would bring peace to that struggle as we look to you and as we trust you. Thank you, Lord, that just as we saw you show up for the disciples, we know that one day you're gonna show up into this world. And at that time, every storm, every struggle will be over. At that time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess you as Lord. If there's anyone here today that needs to confess you as the Lord of their life in this moment, I pray, Lord, that you would move and that they would do it. Lord, we love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, folks, this is Pastor Dennis Hester, and I want to thank you for joining First Baptist Wataga through our podcast and hearing the message today. My prayer is that you are encouraged and uplifted by the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Our goal here is to equip you in your faith and to encourage you as you worship the Lord and seek to serve Him. If you have a question or you have a decision that you'd like to make, I'd encourage you to reach out to us through our website at fbcwataga.org or simply call the church office. You can find that number or our email addresses there on that website as well. And by doing that, uh, we'd be glad to hear from you and we'd be encouraged about hearing what God's doing in your life. So God bless you and have a great day.